Greetings, salutations, and all that jazz. From sunny Orlando, Florida, the city beautiful, this is the Pack Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, David Pack, and joining me, as always, is my twin brother, Michael. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. Thanks for listening. Yeah, it's a new year, a new podcast. I don't want to say, you know, there's New Year's resolutions, but I think we would like to try to be on a more regular recording basis. That's the goal. Whether or not we will succeed at that goal, we're going to do our level best to try to put this out on a more regular basis. And we have some ideas for episodes that are going to be coming up that are pretty exciting. At least they excite us, which is really all that matters. <laughs> right, yeah. This is an audience of two, and if you enjoy it, wonderful. Yeah, and uh, who knows, maybe I will open it up to our listeners to say, hey, what do you want to hear about? And maybe we'll try to accommodate yeah, maybe guests even someday. We'll see. We've, we've tried that before with some success, so maybe we can keep uh, that experiment going. Yeah, and this episode is brought to you by the Bacon Club Chalupa from Taco Bell. Oh, delicious. So happy it's back. Yeah, it uh, comes back every year. I'm not quite uh, as often as I would like, but I guess it makes it a little more special. And it's kind of like their Chalupa, only with yummy bacon and... Uh, all kinds of stuff you would need for like a club sandwich, I guess. Yeah, it's really good. I think it's uh, one of their better menu items. I like chalupas anyway, but this particular flavor of chalupa is the best. Now, it's not uh, the dearly departed rolled chicken tacos. It's no replacement for that, but it's still, it's it's a good choice. Yeah, nothing can replace those. May they rest in peace. Yeah, it's a shame. (laughs) Hopefully come back someday, but I'm not holding out much hope. I think they kind of... Uh, did away with shredded chicken on their menu, and that's one of the key items for those rolled chicken tacos. So I don't hold out a lot of hope. Yeah, I don't know how the quesadilla chicken would work with those. Probably not well. No, I wouldn't want to even attempt it. All right, so uh, we were, well, was it a couple nights ago? We were I think watching, so. uh, going through our streaming services and such, and we were on Disney+, Plus, and we thought, hey, let's watch... An old uh, classic Disney uh, feature film. Right. One with singing, one with uh, even the actors interacting with animated characters. Yep. Dancing. Uh, Sherman Brothers did the music. Yep. David Tomlinson in one of the lead roles. Yep. So, obviously, what are we talking about? We're th- obviously, we're talking about Bedknobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is actually what we're talking about now. There may have been a swerve there if uh, you picked up on some of those clues that it could have also applied to, I guess, probably inarguably the more better known uh, Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah, that's not a question. Mary Poppins is, of course, the much more well-known of the two. Uh, but you know what? I think we have a soft spot in our hearts for this uh uh, film. I don't know what it is with us and like witches and magic and stuff. You know, we weren't raised in any kind of like Wiccan household or any, you know, undue influences, but be it Bewitched, be it uh, Miss Switch, the cartoon, we were just really into witches. I guess. I don't know what that's about. I mean, I, if I could peel that onion a little bit, maybe I could find out what was the cause of all this. Uh, but yeah, it's tr- maybe it all started with Bewitched and just kind of grew from there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, we lure us some uh, some witches, right? And plus, we're Disney nerds anyway, so this is just like a double whammy. 
if yeah. you will. So that makes me wonder now, should we watch Escape from Witch Mountain? Are there witches in Witch Mountain? <laughs> seems I, like. I don't, I, I'm not sure, but now I'm curious. It seems like. I remember trying to watch that as a kid and being bored to tears. But I don't know if that would be the same if I tried to watch it today. It's a good question. But as I was watching this movie uh, a couple days ago, it kind of occurred to me, not for the first time, how many similarities there are between this movie and Mary Poppins. Right, yeah. So I was doing some research online, looking at different articles, and so I came across this one article that was kind of comparing the two and I guess trying to grade and debate which one is better based on a, n- a number of criteria. And I thought, well, let's go ahead and we can talk about that and try to v- have a little discussion about each of these criteria. So first of all, wh- which would you say has the stronger plot? Okay. Um, so the plot of Mary Poppins, obviously, is the bank's children need a nanny. Dad's kind of out of touch with the bank. Mom's worried about women's suffrage, good or bad. She just doesn't have time to take care of the kids while doing that, I guess. So here comes Mary Poppins to save the day and teach the Banks kids how to, you know, get a get by in, <laughs> in London. I don't know exactly what she's doing. <laughs> you know, wash behind your ears and pick up your toys and such. Right. She's just raising them. And uh, Ben Nelson Broomsticks says, I go, take place during the war, a second World War in London. You've got Germany coming over and all these kids are in the city getting bombed, and so, of course, they want to live, you know, send them to the countryside to be safe, and uh, they are sent to the house of, uh, what is I can't never pronounce her name, Miss Price. Eglantine. Eglantine Price, who just happens to be enrolled in a witchcraft correspondence course, and hijinks ensue. Yes, she's an apprentice witch, and she's, uh, she's trying to use her power to help fight the battle to, to save England during the war, which is a pretty high concept, but there you go. Yeah, I'm going to have to give the stronger plot to Mary Poppins on that one. Yeah, I think it's a little, I mean, it's, they're both contrived, but maybe the bedknobs and broomsticks is a bit more contrived. Yeah, a bit more. Just the feel of it, I think, is a little bit better. Okay. It's more random, I guess. I mean, it, it's tough. I guess it's a judgment call, but that's the judgment I think is the right one. Okay, how about the best animation scene? Each of these movies have a scene where the human characters are magically sent into this world that's really animated, and so they're like the fish out of water there. They're the real people in this animated world. Right, this is pre-Roger Rabbit. You know, this is much more basic uh, Yeah, a lot, a lot of green screens going on here. Yeah, or some kind of chroma key thing, um, which I guess is the same thing. Um, I don't know. I think when I think of Mary Poppins, I think of the carousel scene and I think of Dick Van Dyke waddling around the penguins. Right. Exactly. And to me, what do you think? I think the Bedknobs and Broomsticks animation scene, it's longer and it's definitely better. It's almost like a critical part of the story. And now I don't necessarily like all the characters in the cartoon place. I really don't like the lion mainly because I don't understand why he sounds like a pirate when he's talking. <laughs> King Leonidas. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, uh, um, yeah, that's a weird pull. But I do think that the, the interaction between the animated characters and the uh, actors, the real people, are more impressive in this Bedknobs and Broomsticks film, particularly underwater. I think when they're diving and looping around, it looks impressive. I mean, you can tell, you know, there were 
pulleys and wires and stuff, but you can't see them obviously right. in post, so it looks pretty good. Yeah, I, I would I would give the nod to uh, bed knobs. I think for the animated part. All right, <laughs> scores one to one. <laughs> yeah. so far I think it's probably going to end up in Mary's favor, but yeah. we'll find out. Okay, how about the greater lead role? This is kind of hard to not give to Mary Poppins. I mean, it's, it's the name is not Eglantine Price. It's uh, bed knobs and broomsticks, whereas Mary Poppins, it's Mary Poppins. I mean, you can't have this movie without Mary Poppins. Yeah, it's that's not even really a fair question. If it, <laughs> it's clearly Mary Poppins. That's there's no driving force. Certainly, Eglantine is key to the plot, but Professor Brown is, you know, similarly important, I guess. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, there there are a lot of similarities between those two rules. If you think about like. Mary Poppins' attitude towards the kids is almost the same as uh, Eglantine's and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Neither of them are really jazzed about being with the kids, it seems like. They both seem to be preoccupied with their own, uh, own stuff, almost. Yeah. Mary seems more, I guess, it's all business, no nonsense, except what nonsense she creates herself. Whereas Eglantine is almost like, you can't give me these kids. I don't want them. And by the end of the movie, she's developed a lot of care for them, which makes you think, okay... My thought was this is kind of like you think of the Chronicles of Narnia where the children were sent to the country because of the Blitz and the war in London where it's just not safe for them to be here. But you almost get the impression in Bedham's and Broomsticks that they're orphans. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't sure if that was it or not because they could be orphans. Yeah, because if they're orphans, then it kind of makes sense that, you know... She's like, oh, well, now I want the kids to stay. <laughs> well, they can't very well stay. Their parents probably have something <laughs> to say about that eventually, unless they got hit by a bomb, which is a pretty dark for a kid's movie. Yeah, uh, I think you're right on that point. Uh, I would still give it to, to Mary Poppins. It's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, reading about this and reading about these movies, Julie Andrews was originally offered this part. Right. And they she were in, turned, yeah, and then she turned it down. They were in development at the same time. It would have been really strange if she had accepted it because of David Tomlinson also being in this movie. He was Mr. Banks and Mary Poppins, and he's Dr. Emilius Brown and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. So it, it, it would be a weird uh, counterpoint to, to think of in comparison between the two. Yes. Um, okay, which one had the more exciting adventure? Uh, I kind of think Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And I, here's why I say that. It's because... In Mary Poppins, you're not really going anywhere or doing anything. You're staying in London. You jump into chalk drawings and such like that. But at the end of the movie, she just leaves, and nothing's really changed except for the relationship between the family, whereas with Bedoms and Broomsticks, it's a lot of travel to different places. Yeah, uh, fictional places, and then you're actually going and fighting in a war. Right. It's, you get this whole... It just seems more of an adventure, if you want to use that term. Yeah, I, and I do. <laughs> well, then good. Use it. All right. Okay, how about uh, the villain, the more compelling villain in, in these two? So uh, you've got the Nazis <laughs> invading <laughs> and Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and in Mary Poppins, it's just the bank and the corruption of the bank. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I would say that the bank is a more compelling villain than... Uh, the Nazis. Right. Also with Bedham's and Broomsticks, you kind of have that weird bookman who's kind of, you know, vaguely sinister. He has some hinted at history with Dr. Brown, but you don't really get, that that character is not fleshed out at all. He has this kind of lackey who threatens the 
the you know the kids and Eglantine and Doctor Brown with a knife, but then it just kind of falls apart. They get away, and you never see them again. Yeah, and throughout Mary Poppins, the bank is such a major part of it, and it kind of is almost easier to relate to. All of a sudden, in Venom um, and Broomsticks, near like the past, you know last thirty minutes or so, all of a sudden the Nazis show up, and it's like, all right, we got to fight them, which is a little off-putting. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, you know, that's why. Eglantine is doing what she's doing, and that's why the Home Guard is marching around uh, at the beginning of the film. But it is a strange... It, it's kind of cobbled together, and I don't know if that's because if they, they cut the original movie by a lot to make room uh, so they could premiere at Radio City Music Hall or, or what, but both of them kind of seem like a jumble of scenes stitched together, yeah. if you think of it that way. And, and I guess coming from books, it, it helps explain that. You know, that you can basically start weaving in chapters together and trying to make a story out of it all. Maybe the, the, um, maybe the bank's just more of a more central villain, I guess, although it just seems kind of on the periphery more than, except at the end, again, where it kind of, they have to resolve whatever the issue is. Okay, well, you mentioned David Tomlinson before. Uh, he, he was Mr. Banks, of course, in Mary Poppins, and then he was Professor Amelius Brown in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which would you say is the more... I guess, compelling. If you were going to give him a best performance Oscar, which would you give it for? I would do Bed of the Broomsticks. He's a lot more involved than he is in Mary Poppins. He's more, he's more a co-star in this film, whereas in Mary Poppins, he, he does pop up. To, <laughs> he definitely gets more screen time in Bedknobs. Right, yeah. And I just feel like he does more. He's more of a complex character than, I care about the bank. Well, never mind. <laughs> right, and he he gets some better lines in this one. He he's not in a whole lot of Mary Poppins. He just kind of you know frowning all the time and worried about the bank and responsibility and this that. He seems fly kite at the end, and yeah, he um, he you know gets redeemed. Right after it's a lot of drama at the bank. <laughs> like, what about the supporting characters who are around this? Um, so in Mary Poppins, you've got you know the neighbors with their boat on top of the roof. Admiral Boom. Yeah, Admiral Boom, yep. Yeah. And this one, you've got, like, that one... You've got her uncle who likes to laugh. Yeah, and That's then it, in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, you've got, like, this priest who wants to come by and talk to the kids. Yeah, it's Roddy McDowell, and he, he was only in the film for, like, a minute. His original part was more, much more yeah, complex. Yeah, and, he, and he, uh, he got, like, third billing. Yeah, I know. Movie. I know. And he's, he's less in the film than, you know, the sailor bear who picks them up with Island of Boom Boom. <laughs> That's right. He should be on the third billing. You've right. the voice of that bear. <laughs> or the King Leo. Could, right, could yeah. Be. Your favorite character. No. He's just Long John Silver. Yeah, I, I don't know. It is an odd portrayal. But I don't know. It, it seems to me... Uh, it's hard to describe the supporting characters because really the main characters suck up so much oxygen in the room. Yeah. That, you know, you, what, what, can you count the bird lady as a supporting character <laughs> in Mary Poppins? I mean, perhaps you could. Um, but I, I count that as a wash between the two. Maybe Bedknobs and Broomsticks by a, a nose. Maybe. I would almost call it right down the middle of the tie. All right, how about who had the better kids? The better kids. Would you... Give it to the banks, or would you give it to 
don't even know the names of the last names for the kids in that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Charlie, Carrie, and Paul. But I don't know their last names either. Maybe, perhaps we're told, but I don't recall. Uh, they ran a little name tag at the beginning, but I couldn't tell if that was just their first name or what was going yeah, on. Yeah, they probably did say, and it just slipped over my head. I didn't have closed captioning turned on, so I couldn't tell you. Um, kind of like the Bednops kids, though. They just seem a little bit more spunky. They seem like almost like they could be brother than sister. They have a lot stronger personalities than the Banks kids do. Yeah, their chemistry's good. Uh, they, the Banks kids aren't bad either. Don't get me wrong. And they were in, you know, Disney films. But they uh, also play a pretty big part in the movie too. They they help move the plot along in, in several places. Correct. Yeah. Whereas they, you know, these the Banks kids are more foils for you know, uh, Mary Poppins. They do get into trouble, and they do advance the story, of course, but I don't know. In some of this, I guess I have to admit, it might be colored by my more recent viewing of Bed Nubs and Broomsticks. Sometimes one of my character flaws or uh, limitations that I'm aware of is the last thing that I see or the last thing that I hear, that's the most important thing to me at the time. <laughs> right. Uh, and so maybe if we watch Mary Poppins before this, you'd have a different tune. Yeah, perhaps so. But I don't know if I, I... Even as a kid, I wasn't that into Mary Poppins. I was more into Bedknobs and Broomsticks. So I have, to, I have to identify my bias there and realize that that could be coloring my judgment. Speaking of different tunes, uh, both have music by the Sherman Brothers. Uh, which would you say have the better music? This one's not even close, <laughs> in my opinion, anyway. Mary Poppins. Uh, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Chim Chim Cheree... Uh, let's go fly a kite. Spoonful Feed the birds. Of, spoonful of sugar. I mean, all these songs where I think if you asked a lot of people on the street, hey, name a Mary Poppins song, they would be able to do it. Right. As opposed to, hey, give us not only, not just your favorite uh, uh, Ben of the Broomstick song, any Ben of the Broomstick song. Right. And, you know, I haven't watched, I watched it more than once. And I still couldn't tell you the name of many of the songs on there. Right, exactly. I mean, you've got The Age of Not Believing, which seems to be kind of their overture in a lot of the scenes where the bed's flying. And um, you've got The Beautiful Briny, which was, you know, written at the same time for Mary Poppins and got cut. I don't know where it would have fit necessarily. No, they would have had to jump into a cartoon water somewhere around Yeah, I, I suppose so. Um, and then a lot of the songs got cut from... Uh, the uh, Ben of the Broomsticks for time. So it does seem a little bit more jumbled. I mean, the Sharon brothers are geniuses when it comes to that. If you think of just about of any Disney song that you like, they wrote it. And uh, it's, Even for some of the attractions, too. Yeah. Correct, yeah. It's pretty impressive what they did. Um, and they weren't happy, I think, with the music, a lot of their music being cut. Uh, that, that wasn't something they were a fan of. And then finally, um, we beat this horse to death, uh, this <laughs> conversation. Uh, hopefully, people haven't fast-forwarded too much through this. But um, which one do you think have the better use of magic? Better use of magic? Oh, golly. Is, is what Mary Poppins does magic? I, I mean, what else is it? I don't know. It's just part of her abilities, I guess you could call it magic. Um, I don't know. That's tough. I, yeah, Mary Poppins... Really more she just kind of conjures things, like pulls stuff out of her bag and stuff more. Jumps into drawings. and Right. Um, but whereas this one, 
uh, Eglantine is actually casting spells. But she's bad at it. She is bad at it. And it kind of has almost very uh, an occult feel to it. Like, this comes from this <laughs> book of Ashtaroth, and we have to have the star, this, like, pentagram-looking thing to get the magic words on it. It does it seems very strange. Yeah, it does seem <laughs> occult, uh, to, to use that term. Uh, I would say, you know, Bed on the Broomsticks, has a lot more to a kid identified as magic, whereas Mary Poppins just seemed more fantastic, I guess. There you go. Um, So I don't know if that was helpful or if that was interesting. Not every episode's going to be for everybody. But But you know what? Hey, give give them a watch sometime, and maybe you can uh, see what you think about that. Yeah, if you have Disney+, Plus, they're on there, and... They're not bad films. They're worth your time. They hold up okay. Uh, the Portobello Road sequence goes on for a little long. Yeah, on, like right 10 minutes the... too long. <laughs> but, okay, here's my soft spot for Portobello Road. Not the song, but the place. doesn't look like a fun place to shop. It does. It like does. ultimate flea market where you can get all kinds of books and jewelry. <laughs> and... If you can, you know, dodge the dancing people, then yes. <laughs> yeah, it does fall into a bit of a stereotypical... Uh, Dance number, but it's all right. It's I think it's worth your time. I recommend it if you're into musicals and uh, performances. And Angel Disney. Lansbury and Disney and all that. All right. Well, if you're not into that, one thing you are into is food. So uh, we've got some food items to talk about. Um, Michael's holding in his hand some Pringles. Scorching. It is scorching. It's got a thermometer on there that's on fire. Yeah, not, not only that, but the Pringles mascot he is almost looks like he's wincing in pain. Yeah, he's uh, his, got steam coming out of his ears, which he doesn't have ears, so that makes it hard to do. But. Right, his eyes are screwed shut. His eyebrows are, you know, elevated. On the on in the on the uh, the can, you know, the little seal at the top, he looks okay. But on the side of the, the the can, he's he's upset. They're so hot. But these are scorching barbecue. Yeah, um, they make different scorching flavors. I'm a barbecue the, chip fan. They're even the cheddar, though, I know. Yeah, these aren't chips. Technically, they're potato crisps. They're not allowed to call them chips, but uh, they're uh, they're pretty good. We we've tried them. Um, I'll try another one right now. I will say they are hot. They do bring the fire. Yeah, they in are. These. They are hot. Um, and you can almost tell just by looking at them before you even put them in your mouth that they're going to be really hot, even just by the smell. And I don't know what pepper it is that they have going on here that makes it uh, as hot as it is. Um, I would have to look at the uh, uh, stuff here. Let me chew, and you can read and see if you can find out. I'm looking at the ingredients for if they call out the pepper. I don't think it's just paprika. That would be... No, that's just for color. Okay. It contains milk and wheat ingredients. Now you looked for that, I'll give you a couple more. Uh, I will say the initial bite isn't that hot, but it gets hotter the more you chew it. And, yeah. I, I'm, and it, it does build. The more you eat, the, it does build up a little bit of a, a heat. Definitely. Uh, some snack items to look, be on the lookout for. Put a bolo out for these when you're out shopping at the grocery store or Walmart or wherever. Uh, Hostess has caramel ding-dongs. And mixed berry Twinkies. So I'm a caramel fan, so I think a caramel ding-dong would be pretty tasty. Not so sure about the mixed berry Twinkies, only because I don't know that Twinkies need berries of any sort. I'm kind of just a fan of their traditional golden cake with the vanilla cream. So 
I haven't seen those. I've seen the caramel ding dongs out, but I haven't um, I haven't seen the mixed berry Twinkies. Yeah, berry is a to me a traditionally difficult thing to get right in desserts without it tasting somewhat like just a generic fruit flavor that that doesn't always work well. Uh, for coffee drinkers out there, there's um, some international delight creamers to look for. They have cocoa pebbles and fruity pebbles. Ooh, I'm not sure. Cocoa pebbles, I, I I'm on board, but fruity pebbles for coffee. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. I mean, I'm not a big milk and cereal person. I have had like cocoa uh, crispies and or cocoa pebbles and fruity pebbles milk, and it's pretty good. But I just don't know that I would want that in my coffee. Right. That seems like a, a very strong flavor fighting with another strong flavor, with fruity particularly. I love fruity pebbles, but with coffee? Uh, back in the day, the early 2000s, we had Doritos 3Ds. Do you remember those? Yes, I do remember those. They were you know, similar flavor, but very different shape. Yeah, they were like, uh, you know, 3D, for lack of a better term. They weren't these flat tortillas. They were actually, um, I guess... Pyramids of uh, <laughs> right, just of, like this uh, kind of cushion Dorito. of Dorito, like they were thinner, kind of I think on the outside. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was similar experience to what you'd think of. But they flavor are, wise, and they are out now. Doritos 3D are back. They're called 3D Crunch. They've got spicy ranch. They've got uh, in chili cheese nacho. Now I'm looking for these. I can't find them anywhere, and I'm still looking for the game day chili ruffles. I don't know what's going on. I usually don't have this much problem finding a, a chip. So. It's become my white whale. That's right. We're on the lookout for those for sure. Um, Reese, if you like Reese cups, they have a new version with a mallow top, which is a marshmallow-flavored cream on the top. That's interesting. Um, so you've got marshmallow on the top, and then chocolate on the bottom, and then in the middle, the peanut butter. It sounds like a good mix, but it really comes down to what flavor of mellow, how they've done that. Yeah, it looks very Eastery to me. I'm looking at the packaging. That makes sense. Uh, M&M's fans, there's a key lime pie M&M out there, which I'm a big fan of uh, key lime pie, and it's white chocolate key lime pie. So, Yeah, that sounds delightful. I'm looking forward to trying that. Um, let's see. Kellogg's. This is interesting. Uh, Rice Krispie Treats. Kellogg's is kind of like the uh, A1 for those. And then they, but now they have Rice Krispie Treats Home Style. So what is, what's the difference? Okay, so it refers to them as the ooeyest, gooeyest Rice Krispie Treat. Okay, so I've had some ooey, gooey Krispie Treats. Some, some of them are really good. Some of them terrifying. <laughs> or just ooey. Uh, no, gooey, just ooey. Um, but as for how they are different from the brand's regular version, apparently they're meant to be more like Rice Krispie Treats that you make at home, which specifically okay. means there's more marshmallows. Max. Oh. The box even says it has maximum marshmallows. Okay. I would try them. I love Rice Krispie Treats. And then, uh, everybody does, I think. And then they're bigger than the regular Rice Krispie Treats. They're like 50% bigger. Oh, wow. So it's a mouthful and a half. Yep. Here's the box if you want to see what they look like, as well as the... They come in these little like clear plastic uh, containers, and they're pretty big size. Well, I like that they also have a Cocoa Krispies option. I think people sleep on that a lot. And as much as I think chocolate overwhelms, flavors sometimes. I think it works well with Rice Krispie Treats. 
There's also a, a Little Debbie Oatmeal Cream Pie cereal out now. I feel like that's been out for a while. Uh, well, it was just announced, um, looks like last week. Maybe I just dreamed it. I don't know. They're doing this to celebrate the uh, Little Debbie Snack Cake 60th anniversary. Wow. Uh, well done, have, Little Debbie. It's supposed to have crispy oatmeal cookie cereal pieces made with cinnamon, nutmeg, and a hint of molasses with a sweet, creamy coating. Oh. Cre- creamy being C-R-E-M-E dash Y. <laughs> but either way, it sounds, uh, I think that would be good. I, I, that's one of the go-to little Debbie snack cakes is the oatmeal cream pies. Those are really good. Yeah, we could do an, a whole episode just on comparing and contrasting the what makes the best little Debbie and which is the worst. Yeah, there's strong opinions. I'm sure everybody has their favorite. <laughs> and um, the last, last bit of news is about Oreos. Um, well, there's a couple things. One, there's a Lady Gaga Oreo out, which you know really doesn't do anything for me, but... Um, there you go. They're, is it, different, is, they're like different, different flavor. Color. Yeah, I think they're just different colored. I think. Oh, I really don't know. Uh, and then there's a limited edition Brookie O Oreo out. Hmm. So a Brookie is like a brownie cookie. Right. So what this is, it's a brownie cream, and it's got a cookie dough cream, and a regular like Oreo cream, in between two chocolate cookies. So they have like three separate layers of cream? Yep, yep. You've got your cookie, then you've got your brownie layer, then you've got your cream layer, then you have your cookie dough layer, and then you have the other chocolate cookie. Wow. Now, I do like creams in my Oreos, and especially different types of creams. I think that's a very interesting option they've got there. Yep, so I'm on the lookout for those two. I haven't found them yet, but hope springs eternal that I will uh, find them. Yep. And now if you want to get this barbecue flavor out of your mouth of these scorching Pringles, something to cool you down, uh, found some uh, Major Melon Mountain Dew Zero today. I'm going to try that out. I do like Mountain Dews. I really like the Baja Blast Zero from Taco Bell. Yeah, that's a great choice if you're dieting especially. This is Dew charged with watermelon. It's got some type of uh, watermelon with a... Looks like an army helmet with a little... I guess he's a major. He's a major. I'm sure that's his rank that he's earned. He's got a little <laughs> watermelon slice in the brim of his helmet. And uh, let's try this out here before we wrap this up. <laughs> My favorite part about Mountain Dew, especially this one, is on the package it says 0% juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truth in advertising. So when we say this is mixed with uh, watermelon or when they claim that... Uh, listen to that. You get a poor sound there. You can almost hear the bubbles. Um, or you hear me hitting the microphone either way. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, that watermelon is not any watermelon juice. It's all, all fake watermelon flavor. Right, and it's got that beautiful light pink uh, generic watermelon appearance, too. Or, you know, the <laughs> whenever fake watermelon rears its head in candy or it, drinks. It, yeah, it never looks as red as the watermelon does. It always looks this um, pale pink color. All right, we'll try this out here and see how it works. Yeah, let's see uh, how much of it is dew and how much of it is watermelon. So that's not bad. Um, again, it's a zero pop. So for those of you who want full sugar, I'm sure that option's out there. You uh, can, but you can definitely taste the, um, the fake sugar in this. But it's not too bad. The watermelon flavor is so strong. Right, yeah, it's very, it's, I don't taste dew in this at all. It just tastes like a, a watermelon soda to me. Yeah, very much like watermelon soda. If you said 
this is, you know, Sprite watermelon or this is, you know, any other of those type of watermelon, I wouldn't say, no, no, this is Mountain Dew. I don't get any dew out of this. Right. It's kind of like a Jolly Rancher's watermelon flavor. Maybe not quite as tart as that. It's sweeter. But again, with an with this aspartame or whatever artificial sweetener that kind of hits you on the back palate, it's maybe throwing the flavor off a little bit, whereas maybe the full sugar might be tangier and taste even more like Jolly Ranchers. That's a good thing, by the way. I think it's a good flavor for fake watermelon. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it. If you like watermelon, if you like Mountain Dew, if you like zero-calorie soda, you get three in one here. Yep, absolutely, and zero percent juice. <laughs> That's right. Well, crypto is scratching up the door, so it's time to wrap this episode up. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you would like to uh, subscribe, you can go to uh, Apple and look for podcasts and find Pack Brothers Podcast and subscribe there. Or you can go to Facebook.com slash Pack Bros Podcast, P-A-C-K-B-R-O-S Podcast, and you can find us there. Yep, at Pack Bros Podcast on Twitter. Of course, PackBrosPodcast.com, where you can get links to the episodes, previous episodes, additional media material that we hope to update um, in the future uh, on a more regular basis. Yep, and PackBrosPodcast at gmail.com if you ever want to drop us a note or just tweet us or Facebook Messenger us. You can reach out and touch us any number of ways, and who knows what might happen if you do. Right. You really, we'd like some more interaction if we can. Tell us how ridiculous, really wrong we are about Bedknobs and Broomsticks versus Mary Poppins. Or, or tell us maybe we shouldn't have went on so long about <laughs> Bedknobs and Broomsticks. But you know what? If you didn't like it, that's fine. I regret nothing. That's right. <laughs> I regret nothing. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, again. And who knows? Hopefully sooner than later, we will, uh, you'll be hearing our voices. All right. Thanks. Thanks.